Side one is calm, non-abusive, although highly fragmented. Side two is schizophrenic. We travel every Saturday. We go wherever we play and pay. Spending money we can't afford. We are the fans. We go everywhere. Welcome to episode 6 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. And this is our first post-game podcast, which we're recording at BC Place after the Dallas game. There's a little bit of background noise from the air conditioning, so hopefully that doesn't annoy you too much. But this is something which we're looking to do over the course of the season, as often as possible. We'll just catch some post-game chat and some interviews from the locker room, and maybe some interviews that we've done during the week. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and I'm joined, as always, by Steve Pander. Hello. And we have a special guest for this episode. Welcome, everyone, Andrew Bates. Hi there. Okay, so let's just cut straight to the chase and have a look back at that Dallas game. Finished 2 all. Up until about 15 minutes to go, it really didn't look like the Whitecaps were going to get anything out of the game whatsoever. It, it was a great comeback. Certainly didn't look on the cards for, for most of the game, but the game seemed to turn... With introduction of subs, Kikuta Mani, Tommy Hyman. What, what did you guys make of the, the thing, Steve? It was a, it was clearly a tale of two halves. It was a frustrating first half. They were they were completely controlling the play, but just couldn't get anything into the box that could be finished by Maddox. Maddox missed a lot of chances in this game overall. Um, if he had just finished one of them, obviously we would have won the game, but it wasn't to be. So I, I, it was a frustrating game for me in the first half. I was sitting very beside you. And you could tell I was in a bad mood until... until Very grumpy. Very grumpy today, which is not normally the case for me. Uh, but, uh, but you know, the Mane, when he came on, I thought Heinemann really uh, showed some stuff again as a sub. So I, I think overall they, ha- they have to be happy about this, considering how the game looked like it was going. So, Andrew, the, the two goals that we lost, the more defensive errors from the white caps, some terrible defending. What, what can we do to get better with this? On one hand, you have... Just a little bit of disorganization, I think, especially in areas like the first goal, where uh, the the corner that set it up. I feel like the the whole tale of the first half and a little bit right up to, leading right up to the the second goal is frustration about Dallas and about all the different calls you get. What what do you think it was that they got the White Caps back into after the game? Martin Rennie, which we'll hear in a few minutes, was saying he was really pleased with the fight that the team showed and it showed good character. What do you think of the turning points that actually got the White Caps back into the game? The subs are the easy ones, but uh, I there was something about uh, the balls coming in from Kakutamani uh, that were really good, and just um, it was the it was the move from crosses that were coming in not being found by people, uh, Maddox to a certain degree, to uh, 
directing things onto the keeper, even if they were right at the keeper. There's uh, when you see near to the second half, uh, near to the end of the second half, you see lots of stuff being loaded on Hernandez, and uh, he gets a little bit frustrated. Once you start putting those chances on goal, as opposed to turning them aside or not being able to get to them, you start being able to click a little bit better. I, th- I, th- I personally think one of the biggest changes was not people that came on so per se, but who came off. Now, I don't know. June Marcus Davidson, we've said it before, that in a game where you want to get goals, you want to create chances, he, he doesn't help him with that. So I think him coming off and Nigel Rio Coker moving to a holding spot like he was playing against Edmonton, I think that was a major factor for them. So, and then obviously Manny proved that you know he he's got some something going on. He skied his first chance when he first got the ball in the box, but after that he, he really showed good touch and crossing the ball into the middle and you know obviously taking the touch on the ball and and, and striking it past the uh, past the keeper. He was a little bit wild with a couple of efforts just after he came on, but. After he got that goal, he showed some great composure in the box and his finish was fantastic. And I think that really settled him down. And then for the remainder of the half, everything was coming through him. He was the guy that was making all the runs. He was putting the cross in for Camilo to get the second. And he looked really dangerous. And I think this could be the game that actually kickstarts Manny's MLS career. I think after the way that he started the first game of the season where things were a little bit not not the best for him I think this will set him down and we will see the Kikutamani that we all hope to see at the start of the season now when it was 2-0 and it was looking that the White Caps were on course for their very first home defeat of the season although that would have been a first the two things which wouldn't have been firsts were the continued inability to take chances and just the terrible terrible defending that shows no sign of getting any better So there are a few bad defensive displays out there today. Andy O'Brien was looking a little bit tired. It's his third game in eight days. But there's going to be a lot of questions and a lot of fingers pointed towards Joe Cannon for for both of the goals, really. I don't think he could have done much with the first one because he had Cooper right in front of him. Um, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm not the the blame on Cannon wouldn't be for what happened on the corner. It would what led to the corner, which is his wandering around oh, the yes. box. Oh, I, yes. I think I'd blocked that completely out of my head. I completely forgot that he, he went and walked about, not once, but twice. And then and then he basically made a poor clearing attempt, which forced the defender, I think it was Camilo, so I shouldn't say defender, but uh, forced him to like basically knock the ball into touch, which led to the corner. Now, so I, I think that is essentially what where the blame is going to be pointed towards Cannon. What about the second goal? Do you, do you find him at fault for that? I find, The only thing I can say is that he seemed to hesitate on whether he was going to go forward or stand his ground. And that might have uh, confused possibly Rochat. Uh, Davidson was the one that let his man go. But I, I, it might have confused Rochat as whether he was going to let Cannon get it or not. So that hesitation might... That's why I'm saying one and a half goals that he's responsible for. Because I consider Davidson to be partially responsible for the first. Second. The thing is, is that I think reactions for Cannon are all right. You saw that one near to the end of uh, uh, oh, yeah. injury time. Fantastic goal line stop. It's the decisions sometimes. Like the, it's sometimes it works out. Like the, uh, he came, he came forward and he stopped something from like thirty yard, uh, thirty yards out, and it was great that it worked because if it hadn't, um, there would be great trouble. Did you place any fault in him for the second goal at all? I uh, I agree with the with a bit about the hesitation, I think. 
I, I think it's I think it's kind of hard though to to maybe pin too much blame on him for that because if I was a goalkeeper and I had two big defenders in front of me, first of all I would be expecting them to to close their men down and have a foot in so that the ball wasn't even in front of me. But he was probably caught off guard as well because he wasn't expecting Rusin to head it back. Mm-hmm. But I I I think folk are going to say he was slow off his line, but I I don't think he could have done any better with that. If Brad Knighton has a really good game on Wednesday. Is he maybe going to come back into the team? I, I think so. I, I think you. I think at this point you have to do that. I don't think he's going to play his last game because I think Knighton will probably mess up somewhere too down the road, and then you bring Cannon back. But uh, I think for now, I think Knighton, especially if Knighton doesn't have a horrible game, um, I think Knighton would start against uh, Salt Lake. That's at least three, maybe four times that he has saved us a point or points with a last minute or stoppage time save. And can we get that from Knighton? I, I think Knighton's shown that he can do that. I think, uh, look at the Dallas game in Dallas last year, where he was basically, if it went out for that uh, huge goal by De Guzman, which doesn't come that often, they actually he steals a, a single point from Dallas last year. So I think he's capable of doing that. Rennie talked about, for the team selection for the Dallas game away last week, that he was still trying to give everybody lots of minutes to see... Uh, where people are fitting in, whether like which ones he could count on down the road. When do you think that process stops with people like Cannon and Davidson? That, that's a good question. At, at some point soon, the decisions are going to have to be made and we're going to have to be looking at uh, a settled team. He can't keep making changes. Four changes again to the starting lineup today from the team that started against Dallas a week ago. And the three subs that came on at the end of the Dallas game last week, they all started today. Kobayashi came back after being rested. You look at that team that was out there today and you know that's not our strongest team. You've still got Miller that's got to come in. He needs to start playing the team that he wants to play, I would say, by the middle or end of May. And it's every position on the pitch that kind of isn't settled just now. We could have a new goalkeeper, we could have new defenders, our midfield still not doing the job. And up front, we're creating so many chances and just not taking them. And one of the prime culprits for that is Darren Mattox. Now, before we have a little chat about what we think of Darren, how he played today, what he needs to do to kind of get out of this funk that he's in, we asked Martin Rennie that at the post-game press conference. And it's interesting what he had to say. Have a listen. Darren missed a couple of opportunities today. What do you need to work on with him in training to try and get his confidence back? Well, I think, first of all, I was really, really pleased with his work rate today. You know, one thing I've kind of questioned a little bit is that work rate for the team, and his work rate for the team today was was by far the highest that he's shown yet. His running of the channels, his closing people down was, was what we're looking for, and as a result of that, he got many chances, and some days they don't go in, and some days they do. I feel like, you know, we're in a little spell right now where we're playing well, but things aren't necessarily bouncing our way. We were very, very unfairly criticised for one poor performance against Dallas uh, a week ago, um, but our performances have been good, and, and we, did, we aren't really getting too many breaks at the moment, but when they come, it's going to be good. So that was Martin Rennie's thoughts on Darren Mattox there and his lack of form. Now, there's no doubt that it's certainly becoming a concern and with a guy that came into the season hoping that he was going to hit 20 goals, he's just not performing so far. Is there anything you think that the management team can do to try and turn that around? Is it just a confidence issue? 
is a goal going to help him or is it all within Darmatics himself is it, is it him that needs to be the person that gets himself out of this funk well I don't think it's going to be the coaching that's going to help because the coaching is kind of uh, fielding um, suggestions from the media it seems like so I don't know if they're going to be able to help resolve that issue um, I think it is probably something from within himself uh, I think it's probably a confidence thing he's missed so many chances I remember I think it was the Chivas game or one of the games that he missed like six chances and like two or three from within the six-yard area. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be finally like keep playing him. I know it's frustrating for fans, but keep playing him and try to get him out of the thing. I don't know, Andrew. Is there anything that can be done? I don't think. Like, what do you think? It has to come from him because if you think think back to last year's goal away against Toronto, the one that where he jumped up in the air and everybody was already what people are saying about that after the fact was that he was athletic and that he was really confident and he, he just had the power to get up and do that. He tried to do it twice against RSL and neither time could he get quite high enough. So it is a, it's, it's an issue of like he knows what he has to do, he knows what he wants to do, and Unless there's some sort of conditioning error, he's probably as strong, if not a little bit stronger than he was last year physically. He has got to find it with himself to get high enough to get those balls and to to be able to run onto those uh, through balls. Because he he was given some really good balls through today. Oh yeah, and just wasted every opportunity. The, the two in the first half, within a couple of minutes that Rio Coker put in for him. I mean, they were. Perfect. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I'm the only thing I'm worried about is that he might have spilled some Jamaican cooking on his foot or something like that, and that's what caused all these misses and everything. I, like I was possibly thinking maybe he'd gone to Haiti for a friendly with Jamaica or something, and there was this delayed voodoo curse on him. I, I definitely think it's a confidence issue, and how he gets that back, I don't know. And when you see things like the game against Edmonton Wednesday where he had the header in front of goal and actually headed it into the ground... Stuff like that, just it's just not going to help him. Crashing that one off the post today as well, that's just not going to help that confidence well, at all. At least there he got it on target, though. Nearly. Nearly if it was on target, target it, it would have crashed off the, the post. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the things about the second half. Uh, compared to the first half, when he wasn't... There were uh, there were two, especially one that came from Rio Coker, uh, where Rio Coker broke in towards goal and then got it to Maddox, but he was just a foot behind. In the second half, he started to be on those. He got the got the chances. He didn't score with them. He put them on the post or on the goalie. But he did actually start. He showed him a little bit of improvement, I think, from the second half and the first. So if Matix isn't the answer to our striking problems, who would you like to see as the main striker or strikers for the Whitecaps now going forward? I don't know. I think it's really easy to, uh, to look to Miller at this point. I think it's kind of tough at this point when... There are so all these experiences that are being touted as learning experiences, chances yeah. for the team to gel. Such a, it's a, such a young strike force. That's the problem that we've got. What I'd like to see is I'd like to see uh, maybe a switching a little, maybe a minor switch if they're going to start Maddox in there. Maybe play him, see what he does off the wing. Give him a different role a little bit and put Camilo in the middle. Maybe try and do to him what they did with Salgado. Yeah. Get him out to him just, the just, 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 just as a trial, maybe give him some more space. Get him away from these central defenders that are maybe, um, you know, giving him you know hits and everything like that. Like they always like doing like grinding and everything and and uh, on him and that that could be frustrating too. So maybe get him away from the middle, put him on the wide. I don't know if he has the skills to play wide, but get him out there, get him in space. Maybe he can make some runs like Maddox, does, like Camilo does out there. 
and that's all you really look for Camilo to do, anyways. So maybe maybe do a minor switch there tactically and put put maybe even in, in mid match switch him around and put Maddox out wide. I don't know. If you give him the chance to create, you might find that that works out. Because if you look at how he was used today, it was definitely a little bit poaching. It, it'll be interesting to see. I definitely don't think Miller is the answer up top because having seen Kenny for so many years, he needs help out, out there. I like him playing just behind someone that's up top. and I'd, I'd give Camilla a chance and just have maybe Kenny in behind him. Miller Miller's definitely an option. May, again, maybe do a 4-4-2 uh, diamond. And that's where you got Kobayashi behind Miller and Camille. So that you know, that's you know, again, people who listen to this podcast hear me say that all the time, True. and I'm and I'm going to keep repeating it over and over again. I think again, Kobayashi. I know he was substituted late. I mean, early in the uh, somewhat in the second half, mid second half, which I was pleased about. Uh, but I think when he did come centrally, he actually showed more. He did his usual two or three things per game that I think it's all that he does and it catches people's eye and then I, I, I that's think, all they remember I think he just disappears out wide he just I don't think he knows I'm not sure what he'd do and he has looked better in the centre definitely yeah. so we'll see what future lineups have in store now one of the other big talking points that came out of the Dallas game of course was their diving they seem to spend more time examining the BC turf than a turf expert should have really thought of a better analogy there carpet, but there we go carpet expert Carpet, carpet, carpet muncher, cleaner. carpet cleaner. Yeah. Basically, they fell down, they stayed down, they did everything they could do to waste time. And the Southsiders had a great response to it this time. I thought it was fantastic. I loved the diving cards. It was hilarious. A little bit, you could say, risky, especially after Camilla's dive on Wednesday, but it was fantastic. Oh, no, but I know Camilla dives, but these guys take it to a whole new art level. Well, mate, it's, not even, it's not even diving like today. I don't even think... That it was diving that we saw. They just went down at the slightest contact to waste time, disrupt the game, disrupt the Whitecaps flow because they knew if they did that, they were going to have the advantage. They got the goal early on as well, and it, it played totally into their game plan. The uh, the shirt tug, uh, the real Coker. Maybe there was a little bit of a tug there, but then I think it was Ferreira just pinwheeled. I was a little bit worried early on when Coffee picked up that booking and just over a minute in because knowing Gershon's temperament. I really thought that the way Dallas dived and that between them and we could have seen a, a red card for Gersh. But he did well. He knuckled down and he, he kept his composure and didn't fly into any tackles. I think I think he was probably told by the coaching staff to watch out. And, and, and I think he played the patient game while everybody else was uh, doing the hard tackles on him. Now, after the game, Dallas head coach Shellis Heinemann didn't come into the media room to do his normal sit down at the table and, and speak to people. But Steve did manage to catch up with him in the dressing room after the game, and it makes for some pretty interesting audio, with the help of some questions from Mark Weber. Have a listen. Just quote your overall thoughts on the game. I thought it was um, a very exciting game uh, from the from the start. Um, early yellow card kind of slowed things down a little bit, and then uh, good goal by Kenny. And then we come back and score a quick goal in the second half. With Matt, and then um, you know, give the Whitecaps a lot of credit. You know, they fought very hard, put a lot of people forward, created numerous opportunities, and unfortunately we had a man down and uh, had a two-hole lead and came back and, and survived the time. Your your thoughts on the red card? You know, I think I think first of all you're always biased. You know, when you're always biased, you're angry because you got a red card. I mean, 
you take a look at the video. You guys do a great job showing videos when your team gets fouled, but you don't show videos when anybody else gets fouled, and uh, that, that ain't right. And that's a great way to instill the fans. And uh, I think we have a little bit of uh, an issue with that. So I think it was build up. If you look at look at the video, Rochette was grabbing Jackson, pulling him, and Jackson leashed out and, and and got a red card. This this rivalry coach seems to be building into a, into a nice one, kind of centered around this argument over uh, you know fouls and dives and. That sort of perception. I mean, do you it's good, do you think it's good for the league though, just in general, about the animosity it's building between these teams? No, I don't think. I, I, you know what? I think the players really get on well before the game and after the game. Uh, once that whistle starts, it's a, it's a war. Uh, we had a we had a very strong contest in Dallas. Obviously, we had a, a very strong contest here. Um, but um, I, I don't think there's any animosity. We we have no ill feelings for Vancouver at all. Did you take it personally, though, this sort of the accusation that, that you guys fought more than other teams? You know what? I have such a hard time sleeping at night. I worry about it so much. What do you think? You think I take it personal? What, what do you think? You think I'm going to worry about what you think of us? Or am I going to worry me, about my team? No, but yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just, you know what? I'm trying to be nice here yeah. and say you guys did a great job. But now you're kind of embarrassing me. Anybody else got a question? Toys well and truly thrown out the pram there by Sheila Seinman. As Mark Weber raised there, there is a very intense rivalry now building within the, the two teams, the players, the front offices and, and amongst the fans here in Vancouver. And I think that's great to see. It's nice to have a big rivalry that isn't a Cascadian or a Canadian one. So, I mean, that's great. But ultimately, you just cannot respect Dallas. They... They fall over at every opportunity, they roll around, they, they're they a disgrace to the game, they're a disgrace to Major League Soccer. And how Shellis Heinemann can even begin to justify his team's actions, I, I don't know. Obviously you have to stick up for your own players, but even when, I, th- I thought it was funny when Camillo's goal went in, so many of the Dallas players just hit the deck. I don't know if it was through exasperation or just force a habit, but it was it was a nice thing to see. But enough about the Dallas game. Thankfully, we don't have to see them or experience those antics for quite a few months now. So let's look ahead now to the Edmonton game that's coming up on Wednesday. Second leg, Whitecaps going into it with a 3-2 lead. How do you see it going? I feel there will be a little bit more composure. It really depends on the lineup, I think, though, as well. Do you think... Well, by the signs of what Martin Rennie said at training on Friday, Corey Herzog and Kenny Miller are both going to be able to play and I think they both will play so I think we're going to have quite an attacking lineup would you make any tinkerings at the back or would you kind of keep the same same back four that played against Edmonton in the first leg I think you have to get Leveron games I think O'Brien should probably sit maybe for this game especially with the the, the lead in, in the aggregate and the three away goals I think he he could afford to sit and probably put Brad Rusin in well one of the guys that played at the back on Wednesday and who had quite a good game was Greg Clausura and we caught with Greg on training on Friday and asked him about his time in Vancouver so far the Edmonton game his famous headband and just why the hell was he wearing gloves
Okay, so we're joined now by Greg Clausura and man of many faces, as people will know from stuff, but also a very talented fullback. Now, you made your first first team start since about this time last year on Wednesday night against Edmonton. Question on everyone's mind is: you were wearing gloves. It was nine degrees. What was that about? Uh, I actually heard that after the game that people thought that was a bit weird. Uh, was told it'd be cold in Edmonton, so I put them on before the game and I didn't even think to take them off I guess so I don't I don't know I didn't I didn't really think about it too much maybe uh, I better take them off next time you know Ah, well Twitter just likes like controversy so there you go um so you played on Wednesday what did you make of the game overall oh you know I thought we came out well and sometimes when you come out that strong that early I've played in games before where you kind of fool yourself into thinking it's going to be a walk in the park and I think we kind of did that in the first half a little bit and, you know, resulting in 2-1 down going into halftime. But I think individually and collectively we came together and realised we needed to step it up a notch and, you know, luckily we were able to come away with a good result. What was that halftime team talk like from Martin Rennie? You, you never really see him getting... Well, he gets a bit animated with the fourth officials, but you never see him shouting at the players too much during the game. What was halftime like in the dressing room? Well, you know, I think the, co- the coaching staff just made it extremely clear we had to step it up, you know, so... You can call it a kick in the butt or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I think we uh, responded appropriately. And, you know, I, I think they said the right things at halftime to, you know, put us in the right mindset. Now, you've, you've been with the Caps now for just over a season. How, how have you found life in Vancouver so far? You seem to be enjoying yourself. Yeah, it's a wonderful city. You know, I'm trying to make the most of being in a completely different environment than from where I grew up and where I went to university. So I'm enjoying the city and enjoying the fans and all that Vancouver has to offer. And, you know, I feel pretty lucky to be in a place like Vancouver. Now, you didn't make any MLS appearances last season. Were you expecting that in your first season or has it been frustrating for you playing well in reserve games but not really getting your shot with the first team? Uh, Any player who says it's not frustrating to get a lot of first team time either needs to, you know, retire or (laughs) they're lying to you, you know, so... You know, obviously I'm frustrated that I'm not getting as much time as I would like. I think I was ready last year, and I think I'm ready now, and hopefully the coaching staff will give me a chance to get out there. But, you know, until that time comes, just have to do my job. Now, Russell Tiber had said in the off-season the management had a, a chat with him about what he needed to do personally to get himself ready for the first team. Have you had similar talks with the management? Um, not particularly. I mean, they sent us an off-season workout program, and I take very good care of my body in the off season and take the off season very seriously as a time to prepare for the upcoming season. And I think that showed when I came in fit and ready to play. And uh, I thought I had a pretty good preseason. So just you know, followed the workout plan and you know, played pickup and got touches with my my buddies every day when I was back at home. So nothing, uh, you know, maybe as tailor made as you know Russell described. I don't I don't know what his program is all about, but uh, but yeah. I, I thought, you know, followed the workout program and I thought it worked out well for me. Now, you were good friends with Michael Nanshoff. He left mm-hmm. in the off-season. You seem to have got a really good rapport going with Corey now and also Bryce Alderson. How are you enjoying doing all the videos and stuff with them and just getting out and about and, and just having some fun? Oh, it's a, you know, it's a real perk of the job to sort of get to do silly stuff like that. There's not a lot of jobs where you get to um, goof around and be on camera. And, you know, I enjoy it. It's a good time. And, uh, yeah, Corey's certainly been a fun, fun addition to the team for me because we've been able to spend a lot of time together and enjoy one another's company and uh and nano i've seen or i haven't seen him i've uh chatted with him a few times and he seems to be adjusting pretty well to portland so i'll probably run into him a couple times this season now you were a big twitter phenomenon earlier this year with your your faces from pre-season uh what did you make of all that did you enjoy it i believe your favorite one was the hogwarts one <laughs> yeah i think i love stuff like that i like to have a good laugh and anybody who knows me knows that 
I like to have a good time when it's appropriate. So I thought whoever, I actually met the person who created that meme. Uh, he was a UVic student. He came to the UVic game. So, no, I thought it was great. thought it was really clever, and it's kind of fun to, you know, have your face out there a little bit sometimes. Now, your headband's another guy on Twitter that's really popular. Have you found out who he is or she is yet? No, I haven't found out who it is. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I, you know, obviously an avid fan. Do you have a, a message for them? He's a big supporter of, you know, Greg Lazard. No, you know, I just <laughs> appreciate the support. You know, I'm flattered that I've got such an avid fan. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I can get out on the field for him sometime. And ever going to see the headband back? It's, uh, it could, could be your special thing. Yeah, who knows, you know. Uh, I think it's probably been put to rest. I thought it was kind of funny that it, you know, it made such a big deal out of it because... I'm sort of pretty lazy when it comes to, uh, you know, manicuring my hairstyle. So normally it's just like, it's really just the result of putting off multiple haircuts that, you know, I've got to wear a headband because my hair started to get in my face. So it's not really anything that's thought thought of far in advance, you know, any t- sort of look I'm going for. So, you know, currently I'm sporting a Jay Demerit haircut, so he cut my hair a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it's good to know. Well, thanks so much for doing this, and good luck for the rest of the season. Hope you get some first-team minutes in, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mike. Always good fun to speak to Greg. Really nice guy to talk to, really intelligent. Always a player that you can kind of have a good bit of a laugh and a bit of banter with as well. So good luck to him. Hopefully he does take his opportunity and plays the best that he can in these Voyagers Cup games, fills in for YP Lee whenever he decides not to travel and gets his chance to play in MLS and gets his first MLS start at some point this season. Now the Caps are going into the game with a one-goal lead. What's your predictions, Andrew, for how you think the game's going to go on Wednesday and what result we're going to see? I don't think we'll see uh, quite as many goals, I think. Uh, You never want to say that there'll be no, uh, that you'll keep a clean sheet, but I think it's all uh, well and good for a big team to go away for the uh, the team from the lower division to welcome them and surprise them a little bit with the with the two goals. But second game in two weeks at BC Place, I don't think that uh, that Edmonton will have the same amount of surprises in their bag. I think two nothing. I'm going to go for two nothing as well. What about you, Steve? Uh, it's uh, th- there's three of us then two nothing for me too. Um, I think I think for me the basic thing is uh, the biggest thing. Sorry, is the Colin, missing of Colin Miller for Edmonton on the sideline. I think that will be huge for Edmonton. Um, I'm hoping he's going to be up in the press box because that could be entertaining. Yeah, that could be definitely, especially if we can uh, if he's sitting in the press box, it will be entertaining for the, us. But I think him missing from the sideline uh, will be a huge thing for them. And do you think the White Caps defense are going to handle Cox better this week? Yeah, I don't think he's going to slip through their hands as much as he did last week. He, he was all over them. He just exploded on the scene. and it's, His penetration in our back end was just unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't see him you know, taking advantage of any shots or anything like that. If we get through this game, which we should, who do you see the Caps playing in the final? I can't explain how Toronto keeps making it to the finals of these things. Last year... They were awful. This year, they are okay, and they somehow managed to take that lead. I don't know if they'll be able to do quite, again, do quite so well in Montreal as they did in at the at BMO Field. But I, I, was, I was surprised at how well they did in Wednesday. And then you saw the game today against New York, and I thought the team played better on Wednesday than played against New York. They just were not in it for the first 80 minutes of the game. Then they got a goal to make it one all, but then they lost again to another hilarious late goal, which is it's just a gift that keeps giving. Now that Seattle's got a win, Toronto with their late goals, that, that's my gift that keeps giving this year. So who 
would you want to see the Whitecaps play in the final? The thing is that Montreal have been quite good this season. I think Shalabam's yeah. done a good job. Kind of scarily good. <laughs> so on one hand, it's like, oh, the same uh, thought process happened last year, where it's like, oh, it's Toronto, we're totally going to dummy him, and then it didn't happen. So you almost want the opportunity to try and exercise that little uh, demon that is whether or not you can make it past Toronto in the final, in the final two of Voyager's Cup. But uh, I, it's it's so tough. I don't. You can't explain how it keeps happening. So Steve, who do you think will play in the final? Who would you want us to play in the final? I um, I, I I have a feeling uh, Montreal will not be able to overcome that too. I think they're going to park the bus TFC. So I I see TFC probably moving on, and I think I would like to play TFC. Uh, not because uh, they would be considered a weaker opponent. I, I agree with Andrew. I just want to see us beat them once, if we can. Um, I think it's going to be a big difference uh, playing that second leg at home instead of playing in, in Toronto and not have to worry about uh, uh, thunderstorms or anything like that. So it, it's, it's a huge thing. I think I think that will play a big factor. I'm torn. I'd, I'd kind of like us to play Toronto because I want to maybe go to the first leg of the final. And I don't like Montreal as a city. I went there once, just didn't like it. Love Quebec City, Montreal, no. Everyone spoke French, it was horrible. I think Montreal's going to put out a really strong team. I think they'll win the game 2-0, take it to extra time, and then get through in the end. So I think it is going to be Montreal that we're playing. That would be the worst thing for the Whitecaps in one regard because they're a stronger team. But if we're going to lose the Voyager Cup, I'd rather we didn't lose it once again to Toronto and just... You can talk, stop the Toronto fans bleating then if we lose to someone else. I just don't think we're going to win no matter what, but let's just hope it's a good game. So let's see what Wednesday brings. Hopefully another easy victory for the Whitecaps <clears throat> and a place in another Voyager's Cup final. We're going to have a special post-game podcast after the Edmonton game as well. Another short one of around half an hour or so. We'll probably include a little bit from training on Thursday morning as well, just get some thoughts of the players before they head off to Real Salt Lake at the weekend. So thanks for listening to this first post-game podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. We've been joined this evening by Andrew Bates, and Andrew, tell us where we can find you online. I run uh, the blog Little Rubber Pellets, and you can find me at at rubberpellets on Twitter or team-bates.com slash littlerubberpellets. And Steve, where can we find you online? You can find me at postamerica.com or aftn.ca and my Twitter is at whitecapsbeat. And I'm Michael McCall and you can read AFTN on Canadian Soccer News by visiting aftn.ca and find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. If you want to get in touch with this show, just leave a comment section on the AFTN thread with this podcast or send us an email at aftncanada at hotmail.com. So thanks for listening. And until next time, be safe and take care.